This morning, what I wanted to do is look at a passage of Scripture in Matthew. This is in Matthew chapter 4. It'll be up on the screen, but I'm going to read verse 23. And it says, Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. So as I think about doing the things that Jesus did, one of the things that we know that he did from this passage and other passages is that that he proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom, the good news that God wants everyone to understand about the kingdom of God, what it's like to be a part of the kingdom of God, how do you get into the kingdom, how do you live that way. So this morning I want to unpack this one little phrase that came out of this verse. Uh, We won't talk about the other things that Jesus came and did this morning, but the gospel of the kingdom. He, he spoke that uh, as he pro- preached and taught and things like that. And so when we think about the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of Jesus Christ, uh, we think of the salvation message. And as we think about the book of Acts where the disciples uh, after the resurrection uh, go and tell uh, about who Jesus is and then the writers of the New Testament letters that are reading, written to the different churches, uh, this gospel of the kingdom is unpacked. And so we're going to look at the gospel in two different uh, motifs, two different areas. One is in a legal sense, and one is in a relational sense. So uh, let me unpack this idea of the legal sense first. And so everyone that you meet in this world needs to hear the gospel of the kingdom, and we are to respond to the gospel of the kingdom. The most important decision that you and I will ever make, the most important decision that you and I will ever make, is what will we do about the fact that Jesus died on the cross for you. What will you do about the fact that Jesus died on the cross for you? That's the most important decision that you and I will ever make. Now, we make some very important decisions, but the most important is what are you going to do about the fact that Jesus died on the cross for you? And so this idea of legal, the, the, the gospel of the kingdom in the legal sense, has to do with, with maybe a courtroom metaphor that you might put in your mind, a courtroom. And the Bible talks about, as God has revealed himself, as him being a judge. God is the judge of the living and the dead. He will judge every person. We know that he's a judge that is impartial. We know that he is a judge that is righteous, and he is just. And so you can't bribe him. You can't say, hey, God, you know, I know you like me a little better than some people. You know, maybe you let me into heaven. You can't bribe him. He is a judge of the universe, and he is righteous, and he is just, and he is holy. And so uh, we have a judge, and each one of us, we have a, a problem. We have all broken the law. The scripture is plain about that. We have broken his law from the very first to the very last. Every person who's ever walked with one exception, we'll talk about that in a minute, we are guilty. So in this legal understanding of the gospel of the kingdom, in this courtroom metaphor, we've got a righteous judge, a holy judge, just, and we've got someone who has broken the law, and that includes all of us. I've sinned, you've sinned, we've all broken God's law. So the scripture talks about this. And so we have this debt, this sin debt, that we can't pay. We, we don't have the ability to, to pay it off. And so what does God do in his mercy and in his kindness? Uh, he says, I'm going to fix this situation for you. Now, here's the thing. We have a sin debt 
Now, the punishment for this sin debt, the scripture says, is death. So in the Old Testament, an innocent lamb was killed or a goat or a sheep, and there was a sacrificial system set up. So the shedding of innocent blood allows for the forgiveness of their sin. And so God sets that, the judge sets this up. And so if you and I don't have a, a sacrifice to bring to, to be forgiven, then, then we can't be forgiven. And so what Jesus does is he says, I will take their place. I will take the punishment that they deserve, which is death. The wages of sin is death, the scripture says. The punishment that we all deserve from the righteous judge, if he puts down the gavel and says, here's your sentence, the sentence would be death, eternal separation, death. Um, and so Jesus pays the penalty, pays the debt by dying on the cross, and God judges, this righteous judge, judges our sin on Christ. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf, the Bible says. So God judges on Christ my sin and your sin. And this satisfies all of the legal, all of the just issues in eternity. And so in the universe, if you and I put our trust in what Christ does for us on the cross and what he did, then the righteous judge can say, because you've accepted this free gift of what Christ has done, and he is your substitute. Now you can be forgiven of this sin debt and your penalty of death, which Jesus took on himself, now allows you to live. So this righteous judge says, okay, justice has been demand, the demand of justice has been met, and you can now be free. So the good news is, and the Bible talks about some of these words, is that because of what Christ did on the cross, you and I can be justified. It's just as if I'd never sinned. So when you and I, in a legal term, put our trust in Christ and what he did on the cross, we are forgiven of our debt because justice has been made, and we are now put in a right standing with God. We are justified. It's an experience. It's, it, it's, it happens in an experiential way. It is a legal ex, uh, transaction. God does it. The God of the universe, the judge of the universe says, okay, they are justified and they are forgiven. And now the Bible says that there's no condemnation for you or for me. When you're guilty of something, then you feel condemnation. You feel shame because you've broken a law or you've done something you shouldn't have done. And, and that is a byproduct of doing that. And so we all walk around with this debt of sin. We all walk around with guilt. We all walk around with shame. And the only way that we can get forgiven of this, the only way the debt can be taken off of us, the only way that this can, it can happen is about how the righteous judge has set it up. And so God says, all you have to do, all we have to do is look to Jesus, trust in him, believe that what he did on the cross is sufficient, which it is, and you and I can be forgiven. We can be removed of the debt of sin and the guilt that we carry. So this is good news for all of us. If you meet anybody and they're full of condemnation and, and just guilt and, and shame for what they've done, you can say, listen, you can be forgiven. That debt can be wiped out. You can now be justified. You can be free of this. And that's a part of the gospel of the kingdom. So those who are full of guilt and shame and, and remorse for what they've done, which they should be, we should all be, they can be, you and I can be forgiven. We can be cleansed, and we can be uh, now justified in the legal sense, and we can stand righteous before God, and that's a beautiful part of the gospel of the kingdom, and so people need to hear this. They need to understand that they can be forgiven. Now, once they are forgiven, they are to live in a way 
that reflects that, you know, and we, Jesus lives in our lives, and we, and we now serve him. We become an apprentice, and so, yes, we've been forgiven. We've been, uh, and, and all of that, now, now we walk with him. So that's the legal idea. That's so, so people understand that. So folks that have a legal mindset, or maybe attorneys, they, they, can, they can get their head around that and say, you know what, it, it, it's a great gift. It's mercy. It's, 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 it's favor toward us. For God to be willing to do that, I mean, that is, that is remarkable, that is outstanding, that is, that we don't deserve that. And it's true, we don't. The next uh, idea I want to help you understand when we think about the gospel of the kingdom has to do with this relationship. All the legal is true, but there's another way of understanding. There's other ways that the scriptures talk about this relationship uh, and, or, or the gospel of the kingdom, and it has to do with relationships. Uh, God, in, in this understanding, he's our creator. Each one of you have been, I've talked about this before, that each one of you have been created by God and, and you're not a mistake, you're, you're here for a reason. But we as creation have rebelled against our creator. We've been disobedient, starting from the Garden of Eden. The very first two humans, they were disobedient to their creator, to, to Almighty God. And because of our disobedience, in the legal sense, we're guilty. In this understanding of it, because we've disobeyed God, we've, we've broken his laws, yes, but now what we've done, our sin has made a separation between us and our creator. In this relational understanding, there's been a sever we've been severed. We, we were created by our creator to have a relationship. To Think about the Garden of Eden. God walked in the cool of the evening, and he knew Adam and Eve, and they, they fellowshiped, and it was wonderful, but when they disobeyed, then there was a, a, a break in that fellowship. So what does this creator, God, who, who loves us, what does he do? We've all sinned. We've all been separated from God. There's, there's, there's a disconnect between our creator. And when we're connected to our creator, we have peace. Because we're in harmony with the one who created us. We have joy because our creator is full of joy. We have life and we have love. and We experience all these wonderful good things that, that our creator gives us. But when we are separated, we, we, we have disharmony. And now we, we have anger and, and, we, and we experience this, this emptiness because this relationship that is supposed to be a part of who we are, we don't experience. And so there's loneliness, there's depression, there's, there's, there's all of these things. In the legal sense, there's guilt and condemnation. But in this other understanding, we, we see, man, we're... we're, we're we're, we're not connected to our creator. There's, there, there's, just, there, there's no satisfaction. You know, we can even sing about it. I can't get no satisfaction. I mean, you have that experience. And so there's, there's just all of this going on in our world. So what does Jesus do? Jesus says, I will come and I'll walk among them. And I'll be tempted in every way to do something that's going to separate me from my creator but Jesus resists and never, ever does anything to break that connection to the Creator. And Jesus goes a step further in this relationship understanding, and he says, your Creator who loves you is also one who wants to adopt you if you'll come back. And he will be your heavenly Father. So you're not just one he created, which you are. Now you're his child through faith in what Christ did. So, so Jesus never had any separation from God the Father. And he says, I will be their substitute. I'll take their place. 
Yes, the sin separates us, but I will be the one who pays the price to redeem. This idea that we've been redeemed is all throughout Scripture, and it's an understanding, a relational understanding. And, and the idea that came from the New Testament, the Greek times, was, was a slave. And the Bible says that when we sin, we're all, when we separate from God, now we're a slave to sin. And so we're in bondage, and we're, we, we can't break free from this habit of sinning and doing our own thing and, and rebelling against God, the Scripture talks about. And so now we're in, this slave, we're, we're in a state of being a slave to sin. So what Jesus does when he dies on the cross is he becomes our substitute. And legally, yes, God places the sin of every person on Jesus and, and he dies and, and now we're guilt-free. But in the other, another understanding, and what he does is when he dies on the cross, he, he pays the price for you and me to no longer be in the slave market of sin, but he pays the redemption price that we can be bought out of the slave market and we've been redeemed. A price has been paid, a price that I couldn't pay, a price that you couldn't pay, a price that was demanded because of the sin we've committed, and Jesus pays that price. So I am now no longer a slave to sin, but I've been redeemed. I've been bought out of that slave market of sin, and now I'm restored in a relationship, and I am, the Scripture talks about, adopted. You, through faith in Christ, become adopted into his family. You're God's creation, but now you're his child through faith in Christ because you've been redeemed and you've been adopted. And so these relational understanding is, is, is good news to hear because everybody feels this disconnect to their creator because of the sin we committed. But Jesus comes and bridges that gap. Jesus comes and makes the redemption by paying the price for it, which was his blood, innocent blood, pure blood that had to be shed and now we're restored isn't that good we've been restored into this relationship and we've been adopted into his family and now we're a part of his household we are heirs to what God wants to pass on to us, wants to give to us. And so all the love and all the joy and all the peace that we experience because we're connected to God is now in Christ ours it's yours but the only way you get it, it's not by getting a case of the do-betters. I'm going to do better. 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 That, that doesn't do it because we all, we've got, we're severed. You can do all the do-betters you want in the slave market of sin. You can do all the do-betters, but you're still in bondage to sin. And who breaks those chains for you? Christ does through faith in him. Those chains are broken. You're redeemed. You're a part of the family. And it is so sweet to now be in this relationship with our heavenly father and the harmony that we experience the peace the bible says that that, that he make peace those who are were not at peace jesus reconciles us back and and there's harmony now once again with our creator through what christ has done for us and in both situations we can't do it on our own we don't have the ability you can do all that you want to do but you, you, you can't get justification. You can't have reconciliation apart from Christ. It's impossible. It's not available. So you and I will die in our sins and we'll pay the debt. Or you and I will die separated from God for all eternity. And both situations are an eternal experience in a place we don't want. Either separation from God or, or being punished for our sin. There, it's all the same idea, but there's different ways of explaining it. And we want to be 
experiencing not only the justification, but the reconciliation. And you've experienced that in Christ. And that's why you come to worship. That's why you come to sing. That's why we come to fellowship. That's why we come to grow. But there's a lot of people out there that you run into all day long, whether it's in your neighborhood or maybe it's a grocery store or maybe at work or maybe at school, wherever you are, there's people that haven't experienced this wonderful gift of salvation that comes in Christ. And we have the ability, we have the privilege of being one who, as Jesus did, proclaims the gospel of the kingdom. So you have that privilege, I have that privilege of telling somebody if they're burdened with guilt or if they feel separated or whatever their situation might be, you have the answer through Christ to offer to them. And we can't be timid about proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Now, I know it's, it's, it's tough sometimes to feel like, man, I've, I've got I've to tell this person about Jesus. And it can be intimidating because sometimes we think, well, I don't know enough. And what if they ask me a question I don't know the answer to? And that's a real concern. And here's my response for you. Just say, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't really know how to answer that question yet. But don't be afraid to share. Now, in this idea of a legal sense, too, there, there's this understanding of being a witness for God. And God tells us to be willing to testify and be willing to witness of who he is and what he's done for us. And no one knows that better than you. No one knows how to tell your story better than you do. So there might be times, instead of him saying, I want you to share this idea of what Christ has done, is I want you to share with this person what I've done for you. So your being able to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom might just be God saying at this particular time, all I want you to do is tell that person what I mean to you. Or tell that person one thing that I've done for you. Or tell that person how much you enjoy going to church. Or tell that person... It could be anything in your life, anything in your story, anything a part of your experience that you know better than anybody else. And no one can refute that because that's what's happened to you. So sometimes in the gospel of the kingdom, there's just this opportunity that we are to be a witness. But once again, you can be intimidated and say, oh, I don't know that I want to open my mouth and share because who am I, you know, to be telling this person what to do? And it's not that you're telling them what to do as much as you're telling them the good news about what they can do in response to the most important decision they got to make. What are they going to do about the fact that Jesus died for them? What are they going to do about that? And so as you give them the opportunity to hear what they can do about it, how they can respond by trusting in Christ and believing in him, and we're not getting into this, but this is so much a part of the kingdom, but it's repent and believe. It's so much a part of how they respond is by acknowledging they've sinned and confessing it and forsaking it and repenting it and then believing what Christ did on the cross for them. And it could be the legal understanding that we talked about. It could be a relational understanding that we talked about and there's others. But, but it could be however you want to share that. But they have to make that choice. And you and I have that privilege of being the mouthpiece for God. Now let me conclude with just a couple of other scenarios and and uh, and because there's so many ways we can share the gospel of the kingdom i just looked at two uh, but there's different relationships that we see that god um, reveals himself to us he's yes he's the judge and yes he's the creator and the heavenly father but he's also the potter and we're the clay and god molds us and makes us for his glory 
And there's all kind of nuances there. He is the good shepherd, and we're the sheep. If you have animal lovers, that's a good way to kind of break, break into a conversation about God is, is, is the idea of the shepherd and the sheep. Uh, he is the bridegroom, and we, the church, are the bride. And so there's wonderful nuances that have to do with that relationship. Uh, he is the king, and we're his servants. He is the Lord and the master, and we're his slaves. And he is the God who doesn't stop there, but says, you're my friend. I am the God of all creation. Yes, I am the judge. Yes, I am all of these things. And I want that relationship to be restored. And not only are you my child, but you're my friend. So all of these ideas, these concepts that are in the, the gospel of the kingdom are at our disposal to share with someone about what they can do with what Christ has done for them. Amen. So as an apprentice, may we be faithful in all of the things we've talked about, but especially in this very intimidating and difficult sometimes truth about sharing the good news. Amen.